episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this bonus Ask an Expert episode, I'm joined by Dr. Deshan Sebaratnam. A fellow of the Australasian College of Dermatologists, Dr. Deshan holds an academic appointment as conjoint senior lecturer with the University of New South Wales, has presented his research internationally, and has had his research published in both local and international medical journals. With experience and an interest in all facets of dermatology, including medical, surgical, cosmetic, and paediatric, I felt that Dr. Deshan was the ideal doctor to objectively answer your questions on visible and dilated capillaries and spider veins. Away from our regular brand founder conversations, I am asked so many highly specific questions about the skin. Now, given that I am an educated consumer and by no means an expert, it would be extremely unethical for me to even attempt to address those skin concerns, which is why I insist on taking those questions to a medical doctor. This Ask an Expert series gives you, the Glow Journal audience, unprecedented access to medical doctors, professors and dermatologists. And while this episode is sponsored by Candela Medical, doctors legally and ethically have to remain completely objective in interviews like this. For this reason, this series is giving you, the listeners, completely unbiased expert answers to your most specific skin questions, questions that I cannot answer myself. As mentioned, this episode is sponsored by Candela. However, all of Dr. Deshan's views are entirely his own. And as per any interview with a doctor, you will hear no specific product recommendations throughout the recording. This conversation was recorded remotely. So for those who would prefer to read the answers to their questions, I've made the entire episode transcript available on glowjournal.com. To find this transcript, simply visit glowjournal.com and search Candela Medical. In this episode, we've taken the questions you submitted on visible capillaries and spider veins to Dr. Deshan. From the myth that is broken capillaries and if topical skincare can actually do anything to make them disappear, to whether or not spider veins are hereditary and why pregnancy seems to make them so much more apparent. Let's begin with visible facial capillaries. Firstly, is it true that there's technically no such thing as broken, in inverted commas, capillaries and instead they're actually just dilated capillaries? That's exactly right. So uh, the name broken capillaries or burst blood vessels is kind of a misnomer. Um, The blood vessels aren't broken. If your blood vessels break, then you end up with a bruise. So it's exactly uh, the way you described it. The vessels aren't broken. They're just a bit bigger than they are naturally. And so as they increase in size, you can then see them. They become visible to the naked eye. And that's what's commonly known as a, as a broken blood vessel or burst. Well, there we go. I was going to ask, what are these so-called broken capillaries then? But I think you've just about summed it up. Yeah. I mean, all, all, all uh, colloquialisms for the same phenomenon. So what is the difference between a dilated capillary, a spider vein, and the word that I can't pronounce that I got a lot of questions about that starts with a T? Phalangectasia? 
Yep, that's the one. Um, so excellent questions. So telangiectasia is just the scientific name for most kinds of blood vessels, more so the, the smaller vessels. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different blood vessels in your body. You've got your heart and then the heart sends out blood through the arteries. The arteries then get smaller and smaller and smaller. They turn into capillaries and that's where oxygen and nutrient exchange takes place. And then the vessels go back to the heart via the veins. Um, and so when most people talk about telangiectasia, they're talking about the small vessels, the, the capillaries, um, but it can capture some of the small arteries and some veins as well, depending on the context. Um, so in terms of the broken blood vessels, normally they're small arterioles. Those are the names of the tiny arteries um, or veins. Um, and the last one about the spider veins. So there's actually two things which have the name spider in them. One is a spider nevus. Um, and so with a spider nevus, you've got a central big blood vessel that kind of comes up. And then from it, it's got its little uh, fingers, which I suppose radiate through. Um, and so if you think about it in 3D, it's kind of like an umbrella. You've got the central vein and then the spokes coming out of it. But if you look at it from the top, it looks like one big red blob with little uh, legs coming out. So that's a spider nevus. Um, and then the other thing is a spider vein. And I think they uh, that kind of name comes from the fact that it looks a little bit like a, like a spider web because uh, you get lots of the tiny little um, blue veins, which all kind of uh, form a network together. I received a bunch of questions along the same line, which was why are visible capillaries so common around the nose area? Yes, I don't actually have a really good evidence-based answer for that. You're 100% right. I see them all the time around the nose. I have them on my nose. I get them zapped because I hate the look of them. Um, I I don't have a good evidence-based answer. I mean, the nose is right in the middle of the face. You can imagine there's lots of blood vessels coming from lots of different angles. So I imagine it might have a little bit to do with the the way the blood flow takes place in the face. Um, And it might just be a watershed area, but that's just me speculating, to be honest. I'm sure your speculation is probably better than what we all had in our heads anyway. I've had a listener ask, do genetics come into play at all with broken capillaries? Are some people predisposed to them? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So um, genetics kind of refers to a few different things. I mean, specifically when we're talking about medical phenomena, it's the genes that you pass down from one generation to another. Um, But it's not just your actual DNA that gets passed down from one generation to another. Money gets passed down from one generation to another. Lifestyles get passed down from one generation to another. So, I mean, generally speaking, you know, if your parents were fair-skinned, you're probably going to have fair skin, which means you're going to be a bit more susceptible to sun damage. Uh, But the other thing is if your family kind of grew up on the beach or spending a lot of time outdoors with lots of sun exposure, you're going to get some of those habits as well. And on the flip side, you know, if your your parents are really good with sunscreen, in theory, you might be a little bit better with your sunscreen. Um, So genetics do play a a little bit of a role in that regard. Um, But I guess the other thing that's also really important to mention is that there's lots of genetic conditions which can present with broken blood vessels. so, uh, I mean, I'm a pediatric dermatologist and an adult dermatologist as well. Um, and so when I see a patient who comes in at 24, it's a very different conversation when I see a patient coming in at four with broken blood vessels, because uh, there are some genetic conditions that can present with broken blood vessels. Is there anything that we can do to prevent broken capillaries or dilated capillaries? 
Yeah, so um, I was speaking a little bit about sun protective habits, and that's definitely one of the things that can help slow down that process. Um, so in terms of why people get broken capillaries, there's a few different components to it. Um, so one is that you can get increased flow. So your blood vessels are like little pipes and they pump your blood around. If you're getting lots and lots of increased flow, what happens is eventually that pressure makes the vessels get a bit bigger and to the point that you can see them with the eye. Uh, the other thing that can contribute is inflammation, which again kind of feeds into the flow. If your body's sending out chemicals and signals that uh, in the setting of inflammation, um, that can also contribute to more uh, blood going to a particular area. Um, sun damage is the other component. So in your blood vessels, or in your skin rather, you've got your blood vessels and they're surrounded by your collagen fibers. Now with lots and lots of uh, sun damage and also the passage of time, things like smoking, your collagen gets a bit shonky and that means that the vessels which are normally wrapped around with insulation, if the insulation degrades, then the blood vessels can get a bit bigger as well. And then the other, the other component is um, genetics as well. So if you're good with your sun protection, you can at least help with uh, keeping your collagen in good nick. And then the other thing is picking things up early. Um, so often, you know, um, people will start off with just a little bit of flushing or a little bit of redness. And then as time goes by, if you kind of um, let that run its natural course, eventually that kind of background matte redness um, can lead to the start of actual visible uh, blood vessels that you can see with your eye. One listener says, I feel like whenever I use a physical exfoliant, no matter how gentle it is or I am, I get burst capillaries. What would your advice be for her? Um, so I guess with a, I'm not a, a, a giant fan of uh, physical exfoliators. Um, so with a physical, physical exfoliant, rather, um, what you should be trying to do is to perhaps get rid of the stratum corneum. That's the very, very top layer of the skin. Underneath that, you've got your rest of your epidermis, and then you've got your dermis, and that's where all your blood vessels are. So you don't want to be stripping off, you know, lots and lots of layers of your epidermis. It's meant to be there for a reason. It's meant to be there as a uh, mechanical barrier and also, you know, sun protection. Um, and so if you're getting to the stage where you're actually causing damage a few layers below in the, in the dermis, um, I suspect that perhaps the physical exfoliant is uh, um, maybe not, not as gentle um, as it's purported to be. Often the case. A number of people have written in to tell me that they've either read or heard that laser is a really effective way to reduce the appearance of facial capillaries, but they aren't quite ready to go down that path for whatever reason. One listener asks, is it possible to fade the appearance of burst capillaries topically? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so I guess the first thing is, or the simplest thing you can do is to use makeups which have a bit of a green base to them. So that's a good way of camouflaging any background redness. Um, but if that's not working, there are creams available. Um, they're prescription strength creams, so you need to see a doctor for them. But what these do is they actually shrink down the blood vessels, but shrink them down temporarily. Um, and so with the creams, they last about 12 hours or so, and different people like to use it in different ways. Um, some people use it every single morning. It's just part of their routine. Um, and that 12-hour window gets them through their workday, um, and they just use it every single day. It's just part of their regime. Um, other people just save it up for special occasions. So, you know, day-to-day, -day they're not too bothered, but they've got 
important social engagement, a job interview, whatever it may be, um, they can use the creams. Um, and so the creams are better when it's just that background matte everything, uh, the background redness or, um, or the flushing. Once you get to the stage where you can actually see the vessels with your eyes, um, topical treatments won't work. Are there any other treatments that listeners might find effective before considering laser? Uh, I mean, those would be the, the the main things I suppose to think about. Um, and I guess when you're talking about laser, so that's a, a relatively specific term. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of laser, there's also something called IPL. Yeah. Um, a similar concept to a laser. Strictly speaking, it's not a laser, but it's still light-based energy. Uh, and depending on the settings that you use, um, you can focus on redness with IPL as well. Let's talk laser while we're on laser and IPL. Which specific treatments do you find are the most effective for dilated capillaries? Um, so the treatment that I find the best is the pulse dilaser. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go back a step, I suppose, and talk a little bit about what a laser is. Sure. Um, so a laser is energy of a specific wavelength. Um, and the thing that's special about the laser is that all the beams are traveling in sync with each other. Um, and it's a very targeted tool. So each laser will release energy that gets absorbed by a particular structure within the skin. And so there's actually dozens and dozens of lasers that are available on the market. So just because someone said, oh, I had laser, the next question should be which laser, because they're not all the same. Mm -hmm. Um, Your listeners might be familiar with things like laser hair removal. That's totally different to the laser that you'd use for, um, say, broken blood vessels. Um, And then IPL is different again, even though it feels like the same experience. Um, IPL is a much uh, blunter tool. So it's not just one specific wavelength, it's lots and lots of wavelengths. And sometimes that's actually quite a helpful tool. So if you have lots of reds and lots of browns, there's a few different things that you want to target. IPL uh, certainly is good in that way. But if you want to really focus on broken blood vessels, then um, my, my favorite tool is the pulse dye laser. Um, so the pulse dye laser has been around for decades. Um, it's used kind of all around the world. Um, and it's used for a range of different things. So you can use it for vascular birthmarks. You can use it for things like rosacea or broken blood vessels. Um, so that's the one that I find the most effective. And it's also probably the ones with the most amount of scientific studies out there. This next one, now I'm not sure specifically what it's referring to, but you you may. Mm-hmm. One listener has asked, is there any harm in getting the spot laser treatments for broken capillaries on the face? So the, the short answer is no. Um, as I alluded to, I have the, the vessels around my nose and I get the uh, Candela V beam on that kind of once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the questions that people often ask me is, oh, if you, you know, shut down the vessels in one area, are you going to get other blood vessels in other areas which try to compensate? Um, and the short answer to that is no. I suppose with any um, medical procedure, um, there's always risks and benefits. Uh, so with any kind of laser treatment, you're still introducing energy to the skin. Um, and so with that, you know, depending on what settings you use, there are certain things that um, you need to be mindful of. Um, but in terms of compensation um, or redistribution of the blood vessels, that's that's not something we really see. Another listener has written in saying 
be honest because I want to prepare myself. How painful will a laser treatment for facial capillaries be? So it's not actually that bad. So I'm the world's biggest suki baby. <laughs> and I can I can tolerate it okay. But having said that, you know, it's a couple of shots here, a couple of shots there. It's a bit of a different story when you're getting your whole face done. Um, so it does sting a little bit. I mean, it's like a rubber band kind of flicking you on the knuckles. Uh, but there's things that you can do to help with the pain. Um, so I will routinely use numbing cream. There's lots of different numbing creams that you can use, um, but some of them actually cause the an increase of um, blood flow to the skin, which means that the laser can then pick up a lot more of the vessels. I found that to be quite helpful. Um, cooling fans are really helpful and ice packs, and you can always do things like Panadol beforehand. Um, as I said, I'm a you know pediatric dermatologist as well, so I have kids with things called port wine stains. Mm. Um, so I um, you know I I do this treatment in kids in primary school who um, tolerate it pretty well, so it's it's not too bad. I mean, that would be my motivation to really just go through with it because I would have in my head there are children that put up with this, so it's fine. Um, you know, I have a few videos of kids um, who have gotten their treatment and um, you know hack it, hack it pretty well. So uh, I do that as part of my consenting process. <laughs> Amazing. Another has asked, "What is the safest way to remove broken capillaries?" Adding, "Should I see a dermatologist or dermal clinician?" Or is this something that a beautician can treat? Um, so I think the safest thing is to see a dermatologist. So that's a medical specialist who's done their medical training. And then in Australia, an extra four years of training to be a specialist in anything wrong with the skin, hair and nails. Um, and the, the main reason I say that is you want to know what you're treating. So... Um, most of the time, it'll just be bits of sun damage or things like rosacea. But if it is something like a genetic condition, or even more importantly, something like a skin cancer, that's something really pertinent uh, in the Australian population. You know, two out of three Australians will get some form of skin cancer by the time they reach retirement age. Um, you actually want to know exactly what something is before it gets blasted into smithereens. Um, so I think the diagnosis is the most important thing. All right completely agree with that in as much or as little detail as you wish how does the laser actually treat the dilated capillary and does it affect the skin around the capillary at all or just the the specific thing that you're treating um so the nice thing about the laser it actually leaves the top layer of the skin perfectly intact. So again, I'm talking specifically about the lasers we use for vascular indications. Yeah. The top layer of the skin is left perfectly intact because the lasers only absorb by things that are essentially things that are the color red. Um, so if you've got a bit of um, brown to the top layer of your skin, then there can be a little bit of cross reaction, but you can change the settings so that it's just the blood vessels that are targeted. Um, and there's actually quite... Um, there's some neat videos. You can have a look um, on my Instagram. I have a red balloon inside a clear balloon and I can actually use the V beam to target the red balloon and the outside balloon is left perfectly intact. That's um, amazing. Yeah. So what happens is the laser energy penetrates through the skin. It gets absorbed just by the blood vessels itself. Um, and then depending on what settings you do, um, you get shut down of the blood vessels. 
So you can change the settings in a very um, bespoke way to either um, bruise or not bruise. Um, and in terms of the surrounding skin, so in general, it shouldn't have any adverse impact. In theory, there might be a little bit of um, remodeling and collagen stimulation as well um, with, the, with the pulse dye laser. I'll make sure I put a link to that in the show notes because that's amazing. Let's move on to the rest of the body. We tend to use the term spider veins exclusively when we're talking really about the legs. Are they any different to what we're seeing with dilated capillaries on the face? And if so, what are spider veins? We touched on this earlier, but the differentiation between the face and the body was something I got asked a lot about. Yeah, so it's... It's a different kind of process when we get to the lower legs. So going back to um, how we started the, the podcast today, you've got your heart, your heart sends your blood out through the arteries, and then it has to come back through the veins. So in your lower leg, if you think about it, the blood actually gets to your toes, and then it has to come up against gravity, traveling upwards to your heart. And so the way that happens is through a series of valves within the veins. So there's lots of reasons why those valves uh, with time can, can stop working. Um, so anything, I mean, you know, anyone will probably notice that at the end of the day, if they've got really tight socks, when they take their socks off, there's a bit of a, a transition point and a, and a, um, between where the socks are, where the skin's kind of been compressed and then that layer on top. Um, but as, as time goes by, your body just stops being as good in at, at getting the fluid back to the heart. So things that can contribute to that are things like surgery or pregnancy as well. Um, that's kind of a classic story where, you know, as you're pregnant, you get liters and liters of extra blood going through your system. And then you've also got this baby pushing on the, on the um, pipes which return to the heart. So your blood flow kind of accumulates in your lower legs and then that can bung up some of the vein, um, the valves rather in the veins. Um, and so when, that happens, you get backflow, 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 and then that kind of um, declares itself on the skin because that's kind of one of the uh, intersection points between the arteries and the veins. So with that backflow, then that manifests with the, with the broken blood vessels on the lower legs. And so in terms of treating the uh, spider veins, there's a few different options for that. Um, the, the first thing is to work out where along your plumbing the problem is because if the plumbing is is deeper, you know, the deep veins within the legs, you might just be doing kind of um, anything to help the surface veins might just be a band-aid. You need to get to the root of the problem. Um, and so in terms of treatment options for spider veins, again, you can use the pulse dye laser very happily. Uh, you can uh, inject a little sticky substance into the veins so that they shut down. Um, and those are for the superficial types of veins. But then if the problem is deeper, um, then, you know, no matter what treatment you do, it's just going to bounce back with time. So what is the difference between a spider vein and a varicose vein? Um, so I guess uh, colloquially spider veins refer to the small little venules or the, the small veins that you see on the surface of the skin. Whereas varicose veins refer to the deepest structures and I suppose the more superficial structures as well where you have problems with the valves and you get that backflow. I assume this is the same answer as when we were talking about the face but a listener has asked are spider veins hereditary? Um, not so much. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I mean, yeah, not not so much as the short answer. And can anything be done to prevent them ahead of time? So, I mean, maintaining a healthy lifestyle as much as possible, you know, not carrying too much weight, exercise. Um, if you're on your feet a lot, that can contribute as well. Um, and again, I guess, you know, at the first instance that there is a signal that maybe the blood flow isn't doing what it should be doing in the lower legs, seeking treatment earlier, you know, it, or investigation rather earlier um, and treatment if needed is always, you know, kind of better earlier rather than later. So you've touched on how to kind of go about treating them. Is there, I had a few questions about specific treatments. Is there a scale of sorts, perhaps a gentle kind of entry level treatment and then a more intense one for those that have tried just about anything and will give whatever you recommend a go? So um, exercise, compression garments. So it's not just stockings. It's the horrible, uncomfortable ones that you can buy for when you're stunning. Um, when you're going on a going on a flight, um, yeah. and the longer the better as well. Um, and if that doesn't work, I mean, I guess touching base, getting the ultrasounds done as well to see how the internal veins are going. Um, and if they're all okay, then it's just a superficial problem. Um, then like I said, you know, things like laser or the injections into the veins as well. You mentioned pregnancy and that was a subject I was asked so much about. So perhaps a nice one to wrap up on because there were so many questions on the one subject. Several listeners have asked, do spider veins ever just go away on their own after they've appeared during pregnancy? And another has asked, should I wait until after I have children? So she's not pregnant yet, but she's planning on it. Should I wait until after I have children to get my spider veins dissolved? So sometimes they can go away after pregnancy. Um, You know, you have giant changes in terms of the fluid load that your blood vessels have to carry. You don't have the baby causing some, you know, backlogging in terms of the blood flow. Um, And so they can certainly help. But I mean, often there's still a little bit of damage which happens to the veins. So it might be a signal that, uh, you know, that's on the cards in the future. And then in terms of waiting until after having children, so I guess the risk you take if you get the veins treated prior to having kids is then you you have your baby, uh, you've spent all this money and gone through all this pain having the treatment and then the veins come back. Um, so it's a kind of risky time for, for spider veins. So I think there's a very good argument if it's not too functionally bothersome to wait until you've finished all your kids and then invest your money. Um, but at the same time, sometimes, you know, having having the work up, picking things up earlier again can prevent um, problems down the line. So there's no hard and fast answer. That was Dr. Deshan Sevaratnam, consultant dermatologist and fellow of the Australasian College of Dermatologists, who you can find on Instagram at dr.deshan. You can discover more about Candela Medical at candelamedical.com forward slash au or on Instagram at candelamedicalanz. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast. 